community for people who've given up on church but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! Well, like Aaron said, I am Cesar Guerrero. Um, quite an introduction. Thank you, Aaron. Um, it is a really big privilege to, to speak to you guys. I love Westlake. I love you guys. I love the people that I've gotten to meet in the couple of years that I've been here. Um, and I just, I, I was reflecting on this between services. I was like, wow, I just got to to preach to, to the first service. I was like, these are, these are people that I, that I get to do life with in a lot of ways. Um, students that I get to, to speak into, parents that ask me, how do I, how do, I do this? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm a 24-year-old who just got out of college. Uh, but, you know, he, here's some wisdom. Here's, here's some scripture. Here's some, some counsel. And it's just been a great privilege, privilege to, to be doing life alongside you guys. And so when Aaron was like, hey, we're going to do this series in the, in the summer on Proverbs, I was like, I want to do it. I want to I be in on this. I want to be in on the walking alongside you guys in the word, in the preaching, in the, the scripture and what it has to say to our lives. And I've just been so excited about this series and it's been a big blessing to me. And this week, we're going to talk about something that is very practical and it is work. Work is one of those words in the English language. Um, if you are a, uh, well, I don't know, but if, if you are like me, a um, second generation immigrant um, Part of, a second, part of an immigrant family, you realize how awesome English is. Um, I grew up in a home where we spoke English predominantly, but my grandparents spoke only Spanish, and so I was in one world, you know, uh, one language world one time, at one time, and then another one at another time, and just given on who I was around, I was just around different languages, and I come to realize there's these words in the English language um, that I just call super words. They're words that you can just throw around, they mean something, and people just get it. And work is one of those words. Ladies, you know the power of this word. The end of the week, you're getting ready to go out to your girls. You've had a tough week and you're starting to you know, put on your makeup and you get to this point in your, in your prep and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get through to, you know, to, my, to my Friday night or to my Saturday night, but you power through, you meet up with your girls and you just hear that, oh girl, you work in it, right? The power of the word work is experienced in that moment. Ladies, you understand the power of this word of encouragement. Dudes, when you're at the gym, um, this isn't my lifestyle, but you know, you guys, the ones F3 guys, I'm constantly around some F3 guys who are like, hey, you should come out and work, you know, work out with us at five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, no thank you, no thank you. Um, it would be F4 and that would be for fatty. Fatty would be the, the, next, uh, the next word that would be added to the F3 um, series. But, you know, you're maybe at the gym and you're, you're, you're pulling up the, the, the dumbbells. Yeah, that tells you how I, I, don't, go, I don't work out. I don't know what it's called. Um, but, the, you know, the 10-pound, 10 10-pounder, 10 you know, because that's probably what I would be doing, to be real. And you have the vanity just surging through your arms and you see yourself in the mirror like, okay, I'm feeling the pump. I see the pump. And you, you go on your Instagram and you put working out or, you know, muscle emojis or putting in work. You know, and hashtag reps for Jesus, right? You, know, you got to be humble. You got to be humble with your working out. And actually, this is what you find when you type in reps for Jesus. You got somebody's workout regimen and some protein shakes. And that's at the top there is going to be a video of a dude looking like he's going to bench press. Um, but mirror selfies for days when you, when you look up reps for Jesus on Instagram. So it's a real thing. Um, 
But yeah, so work is used in so many different ways. And today we're not going to talk about the different uses of the word work. We're going to talk about what God has to say about work. We're going to look at a proverb, um, one proverb. We're going to get real deep into this proverb. Last week we looked at a couple different proverbs to talk about words. This week we're going to go into one proverb and really see what God's wisdom has to say about work. And so I'm really excited to get it. Um, with you guys on this uh, on this talk, because man, this has been a fun one to prepare for. Um, so let's go. Um, typically, uh, when you first encounter this idea of work, vocation, jobs, professions, um, it's experienced at a very young age with a simple question: What do you want to be when you grow up? Right. That's the question we're asked all the time. You know, in class, we get to draw pictures of ourselves. You know. As a fireman, who, who wanted to be a fireman? Any people like want to be a fireman, policeman, um, working for, you know, the hero, right? We wanted to be the hero. We wanted to go in and bust the door down and, and save people's lives, you know, to, uh, bring people um, out of a, a burning house or, you know, with our Dalmatian. And we're just going around just saving people, you know? That's what we think, you know, being a fireman is like. What about our doctors? Who wanted to be a doctor when they, when they grew up? I did not want to be a doctor, but my mom wanted me to be a doctor big time. <laughs> Um, so she would have me, she was a nurse, uh, well, was kind of doing that kind of thing, and, and so she would bring out her stethoscope, and I was like, ooh, this is so cool, I can hear a heartbeat, and you know, we, we, get, we get caught up in that, kind of like, I can help people, I can heal people, I can give medicine and, and prescribe, you know, cures for people, and so being a doctor is this kind of really awesome thing as kids where we're like, I, I get to help people, I get to, to heal people. And then we have um, our third popular category, which is sports, right? Who wanted to be the pro athlete? Who was the person who was on track to go pro? We have one right here, and he's sitting right here, um, so we know that didn't work out, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. But that was me, too. That was me, too. I, you know, you'd put on the jersey, you'd watch Jordan, you'd watch Kobe, you're like, I have the Mamba mentality, right? Like, I'm ready to shoot the three, I'm ready to shoot the game-winning shot. That's me. And, you know, we put on the jersey, we... Uh, we, like, you know, are always playing basketball outside. We're always playing football with our friends. And we get to this point where we're like, this is, this is who I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to be when I grow up. And then um, we get a little older and evidenced by all of us sitting here. Um, depending on what our journey has been, we get to this point where we wise enough, right? We get to this point where, you know, our dreams, our aspirations, what we want to be when we grow up gets turned. That question gets turned into what do I have to do? until I get old, right? It turns into a thing where it's like, okay, I have to pay the bills. I have to afford something. I have to um, pay for the school that will allow me to go to work, you know, in the future so I can pay to keep going to school. Um, and so you're like, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And we get to this point in our work where the joy is gone. The dreaming is gone. The, the ideas of what we get to grow up into are suddenly met with what we think is reality, right? The real stuff. And so um, this morning, we're going to look at a particular proverb. And like I so said, we're going to get really deep into it because God's word is unlike our conventional wisdom. God's wisdom is more than what we can bring to the table. And so if we're going to be honest, work doesn't look like this. Work does not look like the happy, I'm going to go to, you know, be in traffic on 77 or in 73 for an hour every morning. You know, we don't leave with these happy faces. We don't experience the joy anymore. But God says, hey, I have some wisdom. I have a way for you to see your work a little bit differently. And so... Um, 
So we get to this point where, you know, work isn't fulfilling, work isn't these things. And so we need to go to the scriptures in order to see what God wants to know, uh, want, wants us to know about work. And so we're going to be couched in one proverb. It's Proverbs 22, um, 29, and it reads like this. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. I'll read it one more time. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. So in order to really understand this proverb, we're going to just go line by line. Because we're going to go real deep and really understand what this proverb means for us and our work. So there's two words that we have to go into. And the first one is work. The second one is going to be skill. Those are in the first line of this proverb. And they're very important for um, understanding this, this proverb. So let's just talk about work for a little bit. So what is work. We're going to put a definition on work. It is this. Work is what you do. It's very simple. Very easy. You're like, oh man, this is what happens when we invite the youth pastor to come give a sermon. <laughs> you know, I was thinking I was going to have to write down a lot of stuff. You know, this guy went to Davidson. He's super smart. All this kind of stuff. Uh, and we get this. Uh, for our first point, this is a very important thing because sometimes um, God's truth needs to be simple. Sometimes we make it harder than it has to be. And so why is work just what you do? Well, to put it frankly, that's just what God says. In Genesis, in Genesis, there we go. Uh, I'm in Denver. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished their work, finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating what he had done. God's, ladies and gentlemen, through this verse, we realize he works, and he calls it work. Everything he creates he says, I'm going to put all these things into existence. I'm going to put all these things into motion. I'm going to be so intricately just putting all the details into the things that we experience. And he says it's work. He says one word, work. And why is this important for us? It's important for us because when we see how much God has done and we compare it to what we have done, the silly kind of mentality that we have of just putting our work up to the table and say, this is what it is, this is how important it is, and we kind of prop ourselves up with our work. We add different things onto our resumes to make our work sound better. I'm very much aware with that. Um, we uh, are um, always trying to put you know, different titles onto our names. We're trying to put different um, abbreviations to the end of our names in order to say, hey, I do work and it is important. We want to add this emphasis to our work because, in reality, we are pretty insecure. But when we put that up against what Scripture says and how it describes God's work, God has no insecurity. He says this is just work. And so what is our response to that? Our response when the Holy Spirit guides us to realize the grandeur, the vastness of creation, of God's work, we are supposed to be humbled. When we see God's work, we're like, wow, this is amazing. I can't really, I can't do anything close to that. Who in here has created a mountain? Has anybody created a mountain? Anyone just charted out the map of a stream or laid out some beaches? I, I haven't. And so 
I think it's important to really wrestle and to really sit with this idea that what we produce is just simply work. Because oftentimes when we go about trying to find work as more important than other people, we get into this trap of competition, right? We get into this trap where, you know, a husband will come back to work, come back from work and think that they've earned something, right? They think they've earned some rest. They've earned some just kind of don't mess with me. I'm tired. You know, let me just sit. You know, and, and a wife is sitting there and is like, well, I've been working all day. I've been doing laundry. I've been taking kids. My work is valuable, isn't it? And so we ask these questions all the time. Students ask the question all the time, of, you know, am I doing anything of value? And so we were like, okay, well, we'll give you a GPA. You know, we'll give you a GPA. We'll give you some grades. We'll say, okay, this is what your work has earned. We've given it value. And slowly we begin to start developing this habit of valuing work, devaluing other work, and it's far from what God has originated work out to be. And so we are to be called to be spectators of God's work. We're, we're called to just see the spectacle of God's work and be humbled by it, but that's not where it stops, because Genesis also talks about another reality when it comes to God's work. And so we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. God says at the end of his work week, he gets to, you know, what our Friday is. And let's just be real, our Friday is not a very productive work day, right? It's how, what can I put off for Monday? What can I, what email can I not respond to? What things can I, you know, just put together at the end of my work week in order to get it done? Uh, but God says, no, I'm going to finish my final work on the last day. And he does it with high detail and a lot of intentionality. And it says in Genesis chapter 2, 7, he breathed into the nostrils the breath of life. And in Genesis chapter 1, um, 27 through 28, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish um, of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He blessed us. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. God says, hey, check out everything I just made. All the work that I have done, all the beauty that I've, that I've created, all the beaches that I've laid out for you to go vacation on, all the mountains that I've asked you, um, that I've put in place and you, and you get to climb. All these things that I've made are for you to enjoy, are for you to say, wow, this is beautiful. I want to follow a God who works like this. And so God says, be a spectacle, I mean, be a spectator, behold, behold all this that I've made, but also be a partner, subdue, multiply, work in my work, is what he calls us to. Timothy Keller says, in the beginning, God worked. God was not, uh, work was not a necessary evil that came into the picture later or something human beings were created to do, but that was beneath the great God himself. No, God worked for the sheer joy of it. Work could not have a more exalted inauguration. In the beginning, God worked. We are to behold that. It's supposed to humble us, and we are supposed to then respond with partnership. And that's a really cool thing. Um, and so that's our first word, work. So let's get to our second word, and it's skill. Work and skill. Now, when I first read this proverb, I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, I'm someone who likes to develop skills. Um, I'm someone who loves to watch YouTube. 
um, tutorials. I love to figure out how to fix things. Um, YouTube just has hours and hours and hours of how to get um, your check engine light to disappear from your dashboard. Uh, and then I realized after watching hours and hours and hours of this thing and realizing I don't have the tools for this or the parts, you know, are hard to come by. And I realized the only way I can make this check engine light disappear is for my uh, money in my savings account or my checkings account to also disappear. It's this great magic trick. There's plenty of tutorials on YouTube and I recommend you finding them. They're really cool. Um, but, you know, watching YouTube tutorials, um, watching these different things on um, Instagram and Facebook on like what you can do by yourself, right? That's the kind of big thing that's on, on these um, social media platforms. Um, I, I began to um, I'd idolize this, this work called woodworking. I was like, this is cool. And um, there's so many things you can do with wood. I realize you can make tables, you can make chairs, you can make all these useful things. You can make things that go on your wall. You can make um, things that look pretty. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. To be skilled with your hands is something I've always wanted to be. Uh, that's why I love doing the creative stuff that we have here because it just feels like I get to just practice a skill. And so reading this, um, reading this scripture was resonating with me because, excuse me, um, because I've, I've done some stuff. Um, I've made uh, this wall piece that is it hanging in our, uh, um, in our apartment, not our apartment, in our house. Um, and now my roommates call our, our living room the Discovery Place because it looks a lot like the Discovery Place's logo, and I didn't know that. I've never been to the Discovery Place. Um, so I was like, wow, this is so cool. Look what I made. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a Discovery Place logo. Let's call this place Discovery Place. And so, you know, just kind of poking fun at me. So I didn't get to really enjoy my work. And then the other thing uh, that, I, that I've made that I'm kind of proud of is um, this really cool desk that I made for myself um, with some screws and some wood glue and some just cheap wood from Lowe's. Um, and, you know, put some paint on it and looks doesn't look that bad. And don't, just don't get close up to it. You, won't, you, you will miss all the imperfections. Um, but speaking of imperfections, I've made plenty of those as well. I made a letter sorter for our apartment thinking I was going to be super useful and it's already broken. And so one of my roommates has to just put his mail just right there on the, on the ground, on the, not on the ground, the, the tabletop. And so I'm not perfect with this woodworking thing, but reading this proverb, I was like, oh yeah, skills. Let's develop some skills. I want to be, you know, a good Christian. I want to be a faithful Christian. I want to be someone who works really well with high quality, right? And so I was going into this, into this proverb knowing this was what I was going to be teaching on, and I get to the word skill. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a little word study. I'm going to get myself some more, you know, smart on this kind of stuff. And I looked at the word skill, and it's the word mahir. It's a word that means a couple of things. And you'll see them right now. And uh, it's a word um, that I was like, wow, this now has turned this proverb into something much different. Mahir means to be ready. Mahir means to be prepared. Mahir is this posture almost. It's, it's a little bit of the quality of work, but it has more to do with your posture. And so just like when you're sitting up, you know, and you're, with a, you're sitting down at the table with a friend and, and you, get, you sit down for lunch and your posture is just kind of normal at the beginning. So everyone just kind of sit up in their chair just normal. Like you just sat down for, for, for lunch or for dinner or for brunch or whatever you're about to go to. Um, but then you get more relaxed, right? Because you've been at it for like maybe 10 minutes and you're starting to talk about what's, what's been going on. So your, your posture kind of leans back, right? So go ahead and lean back in your chair and get comfortable. You know, we're all just here, just hanging out. Hanging out. And so 20, t 10 minutes turns into 20 minutes and you're still talking. Your posture is, you know, very relaxed. And then, 
you know, you get to the point, and depending on what friend it is, your posture starts to change, right? 45 minutes turns to an hour, turns into an hour and 35 minutes, and you're like, okay, um, I'm going to start leaning forward. I'm ready to go, right? You start leaning forward, maybe reaching for your wallet, maybe you're looking, for, looking through your purse, you know, like, oh, i got to find my phone, maybe my kids have called me, and so your posture starts to lean forward. So everyone lean forward for a little bit, like, you, like we're about to go. You, know, you can feel the energy starting to like kind of go into your legs. You're like, let's, let's leave. I'm ready to go to do my next thing. That is what mahir is. Mahir is posture. What it means to be skilled, it means to be ready to go. And so that's why this, um, this word is really important. So this word is really important to, to know because if we're going to be ready to go, ready to work, what does that ready um, need to look like? What do we need to be ready to do? And that's where this proverb goes from being a conventional wisdom to a very life-changing God truth. And so um, I'm really, I'm so excited to give the rest of the sermon, but um, something um, you guys need to know about me is uh, I love to work outside. I like to do some landscaping stuff. And I got to uh, do that this past uh, weekend with our students uh, we went to uh, the um, Apple, like we went to the Asheville area, uh, the Black Mountain um, area, and there was an orphanage up there that we stay at for our, for our trip. Um, it's a it's a really long-standing orphanage there, been there for for over a hundred years, and their big goal is to really reunite families if they can, and they want to keep families together. So it's a really beautiful thing, and so. Um, and so we get to this point where we're having to serve. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, that's classic youth group stuff. And so um, I'm trying to skillfully serve, right? Because I'm, I'm trying to show students how to, how to serve really well. And so um, I get to, the, get to this point where I'm just lopping stuff. Kids are starting to, you know, go off and do their own thing. And I'm like, you know what? You got you to gotta keep working, guys. Like, why are, we, why are we going off and doing our own thing? You know, get back on the, on the clippers and let's get back to work. And so I found myself just kind of being frustrated. I found myself just being like, oh, this is, this is good work for me, but I, I wish it could be passed on to these students. I wish they could just get it, what we're doing. And I think this second, this, uh, what the second uh, part of the scripture has to say to us this morning is the frustration that I was feeling. The second part of this, of this um, proverb says that a skilled person will serve before kings. And I was really focusing on this word serve. I was like, this is, this is an important word, right? If this is in, if this, is in this proverb, if God, if God really wants us to figure out something, it's, it's in this word. And I remember feel, feeling frustrated. I was like, why aren't, why aren't we just excited to serve? Why aren't we just like motivated to serve? Why can't we just be skilled um, to serve that posture. And I got to this point where I was just reflecting on what's going to be happening in this garden. Um, here's a video of what it looks like in this garden. It's a really, um, excuse me, beautiful scene where you have the mountains all around you. Um, you have these bushes and there's these walkways where you can just kind of walk around and, you know, just be in this really beautiful setting. There's a swing. Um, it's a really beautiful thing. Um, to be around, and I just found myself serving, and I was like, you know what, I, I feel so much joy because I know that kids are going to be in this garden. I know that kids are going to be walking, you know, these little pathways with their mom or with their dad who maybe hasn't seen them for a while. Um, that, that parent can't support them on a full-time basis, and so they go to this place, and, and they get some time with their parents, and, and I was just imagining, you know, all this 
good work that God was doing. God was already here. God was already serving this community. And I found myself trimming bushes, realizing I was working alongside him. And that was a really impactful moment. And when I was writing the sermon, I, I, I started to get emotional because I was just reflecting on that. I was like, wow, like this amazing work that God has invited me to do alongside him um, for just two hours was about as clear as I can get to a picture of just working alongside God. And so it was a beautiful thing to behold, and I just found myself talking to somebody alongside me, and I just said this, this line that I didn't really think much of it, but I was like, I think God, when I get to heaven, is going to just give me another pair of these clippers and, says, and say, go, go do some gardening. Because I was just having so much fun. I just was at peace. I was just, this was just good work to be doing. And I was like, um, just found myself saying that. And it wasn't until I was writing this sermon, I was like, reflecting on that line again, it came to my mind. I was like, what does God have me to see in this? What truth does he want me to know? And I was led again to just reflect on that standing before the king line in, uh, in this proverb and, and knowing that one day I'm going to stand before a king. And I think I'm going to remember two things. I think I'm going to remember, first, God's work that he's done in my life. I'm going to remember the work of Christ that has allowed me to just be in his presence and how beautiful of a thing it is. And the second thing is I'm going to remember the invitation that God asked me to partake in, the thing that he said, hey, just do this alongside me. And I'm going to remember when I said yes to that. I'm going to find joy. I'm going to feel that joy again of knowing that I was walking alongside God. And that's a thing all of us can experience. Because despite the frustrations that we have with work, despite the tasks that pile up on our desk or on our list, on our phones and the reminders and all things that we have to do, we get caught up in this doing without purpose, right? We get caught up in this thing of just living life, of working without um, any end in sight. And I think it has something to do with the word service. Service requires us to remind ourselves of the humility that we talked about in our work. Service reminds us to, to understand that God is already working and that we're just working alongside, alongside him. Service is what this proverb really all holds, um, really holds together the work and the skill to be ready to work, to be ready to use what God has already given you in order to serve. And that's where we're going to find real joy in our work. So whether or not you're a mom, whether or not you're uh, someone who is just parenting kids and raising them up or managing a team of salespeople in order to meet some goals, the work that you do has an opportunity to serve. And so as much as I want to stop at this part of the, of the verse and just say, you know, we're going to be serving in, you know, the side of kings, you know, how awesome that is to even think about, you know, being you know, in good standing with our bosses and to get promotions and all that kind of stuff. I would be lying to you if um, that's where this verse stops and that's where God um, asks us to stop. We have to go to the last line of this verse to really understand the full effect of service. And it reads like this, and the band can go ahead and, and come on up. It says, someone who is skilled in their work will not stand in front of a low official an official low rank. What does that mean for us? If we're going to understand this whole proverb, we have to take every single line as gold, and we have to ask the question, who is the official of low rank? I think sometimes we're tempted to think, okay, you know, if I'm called to work, I've got to do it for somebody who's important, right? 
I got to do it for do it for somebody who you know is ahead of me and, and they have vision and they have goals and all this kind of stuff and and so a person of low rank is someone who is just barely ahead of me right like it's not someone I really want to follow I want to be following the CEO I don't want to be following my just my direct supervisor you know that's that's not something super aspirational but I think what this proverb has to say about our work and who the actual low official is, in light of God's grandeur, in light of God's kingdom work that he's already doing, the low official is you and I. The low official that sometimes we tend to serve is the person with low goals for our lives, with this tendency to get caught up in just work as tasks, to get caught up in not serving those around us. And if we're going to be really honest, our lives are pretty easy because we've been serving very low officials. Our lives are really easy because we just want to serve ourselves. We just want to be in comfortable positions where we're, you know, tending to our needs first and then to other people if we have the time. That's not the work kind of work that God calls us into. So if we are going to serve with our work, we need to be asking who are the people who need to be served. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Who are the least of these in your work? Who are the least of these on your teams? Who are the least of these in your neighborhoods? Maybe it's the mom who needs you to pick up her kids as well from the pool. Maybe it's the person who's slacking on your team and you have to pick up, you know, the, the residual kind of work that they're not, you, they're not putting in. Maybe that's the least of these. Maybe the least of these is someone who doesn't live in your neighborhood who lives in a neighborhood where they don't have the community pool, where they don't have the nice things that a lot of us get to enjoy. And so I want us to really reflect, you know, as Nathan sings this last song, he's going to be singing about work. I want us to be thinking about the least of these in our work and the things that we do on a daily basis because that is what service looks like. That is what serving a king looks like. And so my hope for us is that we see God's wisdom and we superimpose it over our own conventional wisdom because there is a lot of good things that we believe about work, diligence, working hard, all those good things that we sort of aspire to. But there is this extra level that God says, hey, I'm calling you into something way more, something way more joyful than what you're experiencing already, and that is service. And so let's reflect on this for the last song. Let me pray for us.